Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. What's up, everybody? Before you get to your podcast episode, here's what's coming up on the latest Move the Sticks podcast here, DJ and Bucky. Uh, we're going to break down every NFL game, got top questions, and then we're also going to look to the college slate to see who can come up with the right picks, make sure I get back to the league. Yeah, college football, NFL football, we've got you covered on Move the Sticks. Download on iTunes as well as NFL.com slash podcast. Check out our videos on YouTube. Fantasy freaks and geeks, what is up? You're listening to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. I'm your host, James Cope, joined alongside MG, my guy, Marcus Grant. What's going on? What is going on? It's Friday. It is Friday. West Virginia. How's the weather in West Virginia today? Matt Harmon. I wouldn't know. I'm not from there. I, I haven't been there. And the man behind the glass, Alex Gellhar, <laughs> the whiz kid from Wisconsin. What's cracking, man? Not too much. It's, it's exciting Friday. I'm, you know, We have week ones in the books. We had some new stuff to look at. That's always great. I'm pumped for week two already. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Now, all right, listen. Uh, we don't have, uh, and as Matt Harmon pointed out, in memoriam. In memoriam. R.I.P. <laughs> it's R.I.P. It's that part of the Oscars <laughs> where everything gets quiet and sad. Uh, there's no franchise live with us mm-hmm. here, at least not in the room, but uh, we will be checking in on uh, the franchise. He, he lucked into uh, the his random weekday off because we all work Sundays, so we each get yeah. one random weekday off. He lucked into his being Friday the way it fell. So yeah, it's good for him to get like a full weekend, Friday and Saturday, but yeah. he's missing the pod. So hell, of a, hell of a pull for him to get two days off in a row during the NFL season. That's like unheard of. Hell yeah. I know. Unless you, know, you work on the floor above, above us, us. Yeah. So guess what? We're going to be doing, uh, introducing the franchise fiery phoner. Uh-oh. Later on today, Love he's going to be ta- talking to us about uh, running backs, uh, best, worst sleeper running backs, uh, based off of touch opportunities, a great beast of a uh, report that he puts out, he and Harmon put out, um, pretty much following every single game on Sunday. We're going to be talking about week two next-gen stats analysis, the wide receiver whisperer 
prognosticator, as I call him. Matt Harmon is going to be talking to us about some uh, next-gen stats that he looked at and uh, some wide receivers that uh, could explode this week. Fantasy Audibles, as well, will be making its podcast debut. That's a Alex Gelhard joint. And then we'll talk about potential shootouts, worrisome matchups, and interesting matchups trying to get to almost every single game and of course daily daps as well we'll start the show by talking about thursday night football wow i'm oh. rough we're gonna leave that in too sick <laughs> that's you know guys we're just gonna talk about thursday okay. football we're gonna restart the whole show and keep, how about how about some headlines okay. sound sure. let's do that let's yeah do let's do that sure sure the camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. This is the woo. I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. Watch the news because I'm a kid. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife. Uh, so Thursday Night Football, apparently Matt Forte is God. <laughs> 32 touches. Uh, three touchdowns. What do you have? A hundred rece- or hundred rushing 100 yards? Hundred yards on the nose. Oh boy, um, he was a beast. I'm just amazed they've given him 59 touches. It's in insane. Two weeks. Wait, I, I want to know what happened to this whole offseason thing of hey, we're gonna work in Bilal Powell. We're gonna have yeah. a committee here. That was what cute. happened to that? It's a giant uh, shrug emoji. I don't understand. I, I thought all of the indication was that they were gonna break up the touches. For Matt Forte and Bilal Powell. I don't even – is Bilal, has Bilal Powell seen the field? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, when he runs to <laughs> and from the locker room. Hey, he had a carry for two yards and a catch for one yard last Oh, night. it makes no, – I'm, I'm, I'm sick about it because I thought Bilal Powell was a very good sleeper this year, and he hasn't seen the field at all. But Yet. here's why I think he's still worth holding on to. Okay. Because if Forte gets hurt, yeah. and by the way, I wouldn't rule that out considering how much they're just jamming the ball down his throat right now. It's true. Powell inherits a really great workload because there's no other running backs really of, of note on that and roster. Kyrie so Robinson would, got injured. so and well, Injured and waived. I also yeah. feel like even even if Forte doesn't get hurt, they just can't keep giving him no. the ball at this clip the rest of the season. At some point, they're going to have to back off that a little bit, and so that's where some of these Powell runs too are tough. Dude. Yeah, uh, I mean, these are not easy runs that he's getting. Well, it's you know watching that thing last night. Um, early on, Forte wasn't great. He just kind of kept grinding and grinding. grinding. He got the three touchdowns, which obviously is huge. But it wasn't until later in the game when I think the Bills were a little bit worn down that, that Forte started to rip off some decent sized runs. Because for I think yeah. two and a half, maybe three quarters, he wasn't. All that he, great. He only averaged 3.3 yards per carry last night. So kind of to your point, yeah, it's not really like he was the most efficient runner last night. Obviously, he crushed for fantasy because he had three touchdowns. touchdowns yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I don't know if we can really expect – you know, Franchise posed the question in our Slack chat today. Will Forte be the RB1 or will he be on IR by week six? And I mean, <laughs> I said both. <laughs> like, he's the RB1 he's and R- promptly goes to IR, right? Yeah, right. I mean, th- but that's <laughs> – like, yeah, it's, it's pretty unsustainable for him to continue to see this workload, I would imagine, at 30 years old. But great to see him playing so well. Uh, I, I, I will say work. this. Oh, I mean, you look at the schedule uh, coming up. Uh, I would trade him, Matt Forte, at his absolute peak right now. He's going to go on the road against the Chiefs. Um, you got to think Tom Bahali's starting to come around in terms of his He's health. getting better. Yep. Uh, and the Chiefs at home at Arrowhead, no joke. Uh, then you look at the Seahawks, Steelers, and Cardinals are the next three games after the Chiefs. That is such a brutal schedule. It's a brutal schedule. Uh, tell me, Matt Forte is not a prime sell-high candidate right now. 
coming off of three touchdowns? Maybe. I don't want to. I'm not going to sell this kind of workload though now, and especially in against some of those matchups. Throw out Pittsburgh and their run defense because the Washington running backs are. Pfft from that week, but Arian Foster got But even going back Pittsburgh, to last yeah, year. Yeah, Pittsburgh does have a good they run. Do have a, they do have a solid run defense, but the the, vol the volume could be here for Forte still, too. And yeah. the Seahawks, Arian Foster did a lot of damage through the air where we know Matt Forte excels at. That's a good point. And he's attached to what right now is looking like a high-powered offense. Ryan Fitzpatrick played quite well last Oh, my night gosh. Too. He was slinging it. So I, I wouldn't sell high quite yet. All right. There you go. Yeah. Uh, we will agree to disagree. That's okay. <laughs> uh, like as you mentioned, Ryan Fitzpatrick looked great. Um, are you guys comfortable? I mean, he's a streaming quarterback. There's no question about it. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Marshall, uh, he he went down with a knee injury, twisted his his leg a bit. I I, I thought there's no way he's coming back. I thought there's no way he's coming. He went into the locker yeah, room looked, and then came bad. back. It looked bad. He wasn't even he wasn't even in the locker room terribly long, considering how bad that thing looked. But he came back and had himself a great game. And I thought he looked so. Good. Props to Brandon Marshall. I, yep. It is worth keeping an eye on, though, over the next week to see what happens. It's nice that you know because they play Thursday night, they get a longer break. So right. it gives you a little more time to, to worry about that. Yep, that's right. Uh, what did he end up with in terms of uh, yardage? 101. 101. 101. All right, there you go. And Fitzpatrick, by the way, I mean, they went deep last night. He averaged 11 yards per attempt. They had a 35 catch, longest catch for Eric Decker, 37 for Brandon Marshall. Quincy Noonan caught a 34-yarder. Jalen Marshall even caught a 27-yarder. They, uh, they, they were on, chucking it downfield. They said on ATN, I think, that he had the most pass completions over 15-plus air yards in like a yeah. decade or something like wow. that on the ATN Whoa. podcast. I forget the Whoa. exact stat, but... Yeah, right. it, it was nuts, man. I mean, it, and that's kind of unusual for Fitzpatrick, who we oh, yeah. consider yeah. like more of a pop gun arm with like a spread offense sort of thing. But they sure. were chucking it down the field, and that's what when you have now what I think we can say like three big tough receivers that win the ball in the air, including Quincy Inunua, that you can do that. Quincy Inunua, man, too bad, uh, too bad Greg Roman couldn't figure out how to stop that. <laughs> yep, <laughs> uh, rough, rough go for Greg Roman. By the way, quick before we move on yeah, to the Bills. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <coughs> <coughs> Eric Decker. Eric Decker. <coughs> yeah, let's just, let's just oh get this God. out of the way now, James. Yeah. <laughs> the, oh the listeners God. have been demanding believe, it on Twitter. Do you believe now? And if not, Here, what the hell is wrong with no, you? No, no. This is – oh, God. <laughs> it's it's so crazy, This the whole Eric Decker, Danny Woodhead thing that's going on in this fight. Like, I like them as players. I, I liked Eric Decker when he was in college. He played in Minnesota, right? Yes. Correct. I loved him at Minnesota. One of the toughest dudes and still is one of the toughest dudes. I remember him playing Cal, all right? Minnesota taking on Cal. There was nothing we could do to stop this guy. There was a point when So he, now we know what this is about. No, yeah. no, no. No, no. <laughs> Truth hurt comes hurt out. feelings. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the bottom line was, I remember he got knocked out of that game for, like, a play because he took a helmet shot to the chin. The guy came back and was just absolutely torturing Cal the rest of the game. Right, so He's why, a fabulous why, player. Why don't you like him in fantasy when all he does is catch touchdowns? <laughs> or, 80 yards. or 80 he has, yards. He has me, 80 yards and or a touchdown in the last all, 18 games. All I've ever said about Eric Decker. All I've ever said about them. Eric Decker is that I don't want to rely on on double digit touchdowns or for Eric or eighty Decker. yards. Or that's or all I've ever said. All I know is that as soon as he caught that touchdown, <laughs> I couldn't tweet at you fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Same. I feel like we all oh added James at once. <laughs> the the time my timeline goes bazonkers anytime <laughs> Eric Decker makes a play, which it's is every great. week, which is every which week, because you insist on arguing with facts. Oh. And facts. 
data <laughs> and numbers. Oh my god. Okay, fine. Look. Anyways, Eric Decker, great player. Great. I love him. Fire him up every week. Okay, great. He's he's a top three uh, wide receiver in the game. Is, is that is that fair? <laughs> oh, good. Glad we got that okay, out of the way. Good. All right. Appreciate. All right, Bills. Uh, Greg Roman's fired now. Which makes no running. sense. Bills, what are you guys doing? They were sca- you're scapegoating. That's the, what they're doing. The scoring points was not the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, the, in, in week one, it was the problem. Yeah, in I week mean, one, their offense was terrible. Even, but, even last night, they were not like a consistent offense no. by any means. Uh, I think per next-gen stats that on par, on passes over 20 yards, Tyrod Taylor had a perfect quarterback rating, but on under 20 yards, he had a 65 quarterback yeah. rating. You take so. out just his three touchdown passes, he was 15 of 27 for a buck 24. That's 4.59 yards per attempt. Uh, with uh, a 52 quarterback rating. All right, now, I, I hate to be this guy, but, I mean, look, the three touchdown passes, here's the thing. They happened. <laughs> I know. I, I, I was like, I don't want to say they happened, but they happened. Uh, no, but here's the thing about, uh, about the touchdown passes. See, the thing about uh, the Bills' offense in week one was that they went short a lot, mm-hmm. and, and they were getting skewered. They were getting skewered by the media in terms of being so conservative and safe. They wanted to to let the uh, to to put a little air in the ball. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm not that surprised, uh, especially given Tyrod's skill set. He's got a fabulous deep ball. I'm not. We saw it last year. I'm not sold yet. I'm still worried about Tyrod simply because you know it's one of those things. You look at the final numbers and he had almost 30 fantasy points. Right. Um, sitting on but, the bench. But. Ugh. Man, aside from what two, what, he had the one play where Marquise Goodwin just ran by Darrell. runs by Darrell Revis. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm, Revis, call, I'm Revis calling Resort him, Island. Uh, I'm calling him Ed uh, uh, Revis now. Ed Revis. I'm, I'm calling him Ed Revis. You Ed know, Revis, because he's past tense. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, Ed Revis. I so you had that play. You had the broken play where Greg Salas, who I didn't even know was still in the league, somehow got behind the defense and makes a play. Uh, beyond that, he just – Tyrod didn't look good, and I just yeah. – He looked uncomfortable. He looked uncomfortable, and yep. this offense is not going to prosper long-term trying to live on the backs of Marquise Goodwin and Greg Salas. It just can't. So, I, I don't know if Sammy Watkins is hurt more than anybody's willing to let on. I'm not sure what's going yeah. on with that. But two they catches him for to, 20 yards and wasn't on the last two And drives. Robert Woods was on a milk carton. I have no yeah. idea where he was. I, they've got to find something else. I mean, I saw him, like, standing over a pile once. He did have – yeah. Ten yards. There I feel go. like Robert Woods is in the upside down. He is in the upside down. Uh, he's just gone. Which makes – does that make Greg Roman the Demogorgon? I think so. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, let's, let's wrap this up and move on. We're, we're but spending this, much time on this. So this also goes – this also comes from Next Gen Stats, too. All right. Revis only covered Watkins one time last night. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. So I, Marcus Williams actually kind of locked him down. Yeah, so I was like – there's kind of like you can take this – multiple angles that piece of information you can say like well one maybe the jets are no longer going to use revis to shadow top wide receivers anymore that mm. after after he got whipped all over the schoolyard by aj green in in week one right or the jets were just like yeah this guy is banged up watkins we don't need to worry about him but you know he, he didn't look so terribly banged up to me last night and also i'm kind of in terms of sammy watkins who i know that a lot of people are freaking out about and justifiably so yeah at least he gets 10 days off between now and his next game we'll see all right. How about Chris Ivor? He's going to be out again. Uh, they're in Jacksonville. They've got a fabulous matchup. There's no question about it. Uh, how good do you feel about T.J. Yeldon? I'd feel, I'd feel better if he 
I don't know if I trusted him more, but the volume is going to be there. And San Diego gave up, obviously, as we know, last last week, a ton of work through the air to both Spencer Ware and Sharkandrick West, right. which is a space where Yeldon succeeds. So I, and I last like year him. they were awful. Against running back, right? I, 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 I like I like him this year. He's definitely uh he's definitely a top twenty running back for me this week. Uh, danger zone pick, shoelace. I'm just saying. No. Ooh. No. <laughs> he played 11 percent of the snaps. Yeah. Uh, he did not look good. <clears throat> I and Yeldon played 88 so. percent. I I hear what you're saying, but I will say this: Ivory was a super late scratch. Yeah. Last week. Yeah. I think the team knows or came into this week, week two, knowing uh, that Ivory's availability would be extremely limited, if at all. Uh, I I would almost guarantee you they got Shoelace a little bit of work and, and try to figure out how to mix him into this lineup. I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, a little bit of Shoelace. I'm not saying a lot, just a little bit more than what we saw last week. As long as he's not driving his car into a lake or anything like oh, that. Oh, boy. Uh, Russell Wilson practiced in full Wednesday. Looked pretty good, uh, apparently, on Thursday, so say the reports. Uh, he says he's ready to rock and roll versus the L.A. Rams. It's still weird for me to say that. Um, is there anybody in this game you like? I like Doug Baldwin a lot. I was just writing. I mean, uh, a lot, though? Yeah, no, I think he could have a, a really good game, especially with uh, with Wilson banged up. They're probably going to want to get the ball out of his, his hands faster. That means really good, you know, short to intermediate throws to Doug Baldwin. And the Rams got beat up on by Jeremy Curley out of the slot in week one, and it felt weird to say that just now. But Baldwin runs huh. most of his routes from the slot. This so I, I could see him getting, you know, eight to, to eight to ten catches. This is this 2016, game. right, when you just said that the Rams <laughs> got beat up by Jeremy Curley? Yep. <clears throat> we didn't, like, yep. back in time. Wow. Our, our, pride in, our pride home team here in Los Angeles yes. got beat Woo! up by Jeremy Curley in the slot uh, in yep. week one. So, no, I expect – I expect uh, – the Seahawks to employ a similar game plan to get the ball out of Russell Wilson's hand quickly on the road against the D-line that's pretty good. There's got to be a lot of worry, though, in regards to uh, Russell Wilson and the running game in general because the offensive line in week one looked like an absolute mess. Again, we've heard about how they've been graded as one of the worst, if not the worst, offensive line uh, in the NFL uh, by Pro Football Focus. Uh, the, the Rams... They have a fabulous defensive line, and they've played Seattle very, very tough. Um, if Russell Wilson, if they're going to ask Russell Wilson to scramble and he can't do that on a bum ankle, I don't know, man. This offense, it, it looks like this This is one of those games that could line up to be a very low-scoring game. It will probably be low-scoring. And you mentioned the Rams, like, could, you know, it would be so, like, Jeff Fisher and this Rams team over his tenure to lay a complete egg in week one, get shut out, get embarrassed, have us all, yeah. you know, in complete panic about Todd Gurley and et cetera, yep. et cetera, and then they come out and dog walk the Seahawks <laughs> on the Just road. get up to that, I mean, that would be completely within their MO. I mean, I don't – I mean, I'm not going to project that to happen. That, that, but that's, that's what happened last year. They beat the Seahawks 34-31 to in overtime and then came yeah. out and put up 10 points against the Redskins. Like, what? Yeah. Makes no sense. So, anyway, I don't know. This, this matchup – Baldwin's a good call, Harmon. This matchup kind of scares me. Although, one thing – is the the de- the running backs could could do some work between the tackles. I mean, especially if Russell Wilson is immobile. They've anointed Rawls the starter, which I'm going to have a little bit in the rundown. Yep, but yep. they could try and feed the rock and do that real, like that one-two punch as they did last week. You know, they each had, what, 12 and 15 carries? Yep. They could try and ride those guys a lot to, to slow down the game and take some pressure off of Wilson. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, how comfortable are you playing, Thomas Rawls? I mean, he's not, he's not an RB2, but I think he's a flex. He's worth a flex. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's worth the flex. I, like, <laughs> and, you know, obviously to Harmon's point, we don't really know which Rams team is going to show up after they got embarrassed in the season opener. But just yeah. looking at what Carlos Hyde did to them mm. uh, gives me reason to be hopeful that, that some combination of Thomas Rawls and Kristen Michael can be productive uh, against that group. I, I mean, in theory, that's a good defense. They didn't show it last Monday night. Right. But those guys up front are supposed to be stout. So, you know, I, I – until they prove it, until they show it to me, yeah. then I'm going to lean with the offense, and right. the Seahawks have a better offense. Right. I think flex is the right spot for both of those guys. I would agree. On, depending on your league and your roster. Both right. guys, I wouldn't play Kristen Michael. You're not right. playing Michael? No, Why? No. I mean, I'm keeping him on the roster, but I think that they love Thomas Rawls. I think that's quite apparent at this point. Uh, and, you know, justifiably so. Rawls is a really good player. I think he fits what their identity is. But Power run game. Yeah, yep. I don't. I think they'll I think they'll still mix in Kristen Michael and give him carries, Like, but I don't think it's going to be close to a 50-50 split. And like Marcus said, this should theoretically be a good defense. I'm, I'm pretty much like all in on Rawls this week, I think. Oh, yeah. Interesting. There you go. Fire it up. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> in Indianapolis, a couple of uh, concerning bits of news here. How about T.Y. Hilton misses Thursday's practice? Uh, Andrew Luck has had a sore right shoulder. We heard about this in the preseason. Uh, showed up on the injury report in week one. Uh, and now it's showing up again here in week two. <clears throat> again, we, it, it was a... Short, a, a sore right shoulder, try to get that out, um, that hampered him early in the season last year as well. This is kind of a bit of concerning news there in Indianapolis, no? Uh, it's worrisome. I mean, T.Y. Hilton doesn't have the is kind of the, the lesser of the two this week, in my opinion, for the matchup against Denver anyways. He doesn't right. he doesn't slot as well against those guys, not being as big and physical as, um, as Dante Moncrief. But I'll tell you what, man. I, I don't know how – if you have other options – I can't see myself playing T.Y. Hilton. Really? Nah, I just can't. I don't know. I think this is a pretty classic. Like everybody. on the road, I could I mean I could still see them putting up points though. Like this offense is gonna throw, and they protected Andrew Luck pretty well in Week One, much more than I expected. And I I I get that like Von Miller and the boys are different than what Detroit yeah. offers, but yeah, they still have solid players at Detroit. I mean Ezekiel Ants is a really good pass rusher, and you know to to the Colts' credit, like they've invested a lot in this offensive line. Muhort's a good player. Yep. They drafted a first round center this year. Anthony Costanzo had some rough moments, but he's a first round pick. Yep. So I mean I don't know. I think I think that this is gonna be fine. Like. You, you you won't – I doubt you're going to be taking just complete slaps to the face with these Colts receivers. All right, there you go. Um, again, and I know a lot of folks are asking me about Andrew Luck, um, if they've got other quarterbacks. I mean, because quarterback's so deep. Uh, a lot of folks are worried about playing Andrew Luck. And, and quite frankly, I don't know what to tell them. I mean, because I'm faced with that dilemma too, and I can't – I just can't hit that button where I take Andrew Luck out. I it's, just can't. Do it's it. hard because we it's know hard. we know what his ceiling is, and I think he put up like twenty some fantasy points against this team last year. Granted, that's last year, but he's got talented weapons, and he's yeah. a, he's an elite quarterback. So if they can protect him, as, as Harmon is hinting, they might be able to a little better. Then he should have a fine week. We'll stay in this game. Demarius Thomas says he's got a bad hip. Uh, he's going to try to play through it. Uh, he's been limited in practice all week. How worried are we about Demarius Thomas? Uh, I'm a little bit worried about Demarius Thomas, but from my perspective, this means better things for Emmanuel Sanders. Because mm-hmm. uh, if nothing else, uh, you've got Thomas that'll be out there as a decoy. I, I I kind of expect you'll see a lot of the Broncos trying to match Sanders up on Antonio Cromartie because he did not he did not have a good go of things. Last <laughs> I, I got Harmon to snort over here just by saying that. <laughs> Um, he did not have a good go of things last week, and so I would think that if, if Thomas is going to be a decoy, then you'll see a lot of Sanders on Cromartie, and I think I think Manny eats. 
Uh, so Ian Rappaport uh, tweeted this morning, the Colts have already ruled out Henry Anderson, probably their best pass rusher, Vontae Davis, safety TJ Green, and quarterback cornerback Patrick Robinson. So that defense is going to be in shambles again, and they allowed Matthew Stafford to dink and dunk all over them last yeah. last week, which is what Trevor Simeon can do. We saw him be a capable passer in week one against the sure. Carolina defense. So I, I like Manny Sanders this week, especially in PPR or on DFS. I think yeah. TJ Anderson's just going to go nuts. Oh, yeah. I think he's, he's in line for a big day. And the Broncos, I don't think they can just sit on the ball like they tried to do with Carolina. Right. Because the Colts are going to put up points. I mean, the Panthers are a good offense, too, but – you know, this is certainly a situation where I think that they're going to have to score to keep up with the Colts, and I think Sanders will be the guy to do that through the air. I mean, everyone's going to play Denver defense, but I love Denver defense this week too. Uh, Andrew Luck is a kind, is the kind of guy that uh, that will take risks uh, through the air. Uh, we've seen him turn the ball over a lot, uh, and I think Denver at home uh, against Andrew Luck, I, I, they're they're in line for a couple of turnovers. I think no question about it. Uh, Jamal Charles still trying to work. Um, Officially doubtful. I saw yeah, the Andrew report this I mean, morning, so he's he's not playing. There's almost no way. No, there's almost no way he's playing. Spencer Ware fired up again. Uh, he's going to be a top ten running back. I I can almost guarantee you that. Uh, he looked awesome. He looked great. One man. He looked great, and he looked great in the kind of game script we didn't think he would succeed in. Yep. I mean, the Chargers got out to a big lead early, and we thought that was going to take away the run game. So no matter, he'll just get what 120 some odd yards receiving and right. uh, just roll along that way. That's fine. I, I think, but yeah, I mean, I think it, it um, you know, it, again here in week two, I, I think the game script will be a little bit better for him. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he he gets some early work, does some damage, and again, as we mentioned, he's so good out of the backfield, uh, catching that ball. Man, Andy Reid, man, Andy Reid, uh, he's just he's been underrated in terms of developing talent at the running back position, but it just it doesn't matter who he gets. He can turn any running back into a legit top ten guy. It's awesome. Spencer Ware is another one of his like uh, you know, personal pet projects, like reclamation guys, you know, yeah. somebody that they that they didn't that they didn't catch on with in Seattle after taking him I think as a in a, as a sixth round pick. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was booked in jail for a DUI, a case that was dismissed in 2014. So this is just another one of those Andy Reid, like, ah, give me your week. You're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're troubled and all that, and I'll take them in and make them a star. It's pretty cool. Oh, uh, hell yeah. It's, it's what he's cool. been able to do. Yeah, it's way cool. All right. It's time now for franchises. Fiery. Phoner. As Alex Gilhart is working. Uh, since we don't have a drop, can I just do – should yet? since we don't have a drop yet, should oh, I yes, just do yes. a, a manual drop? Yes, absolutely. Please. Franchise fiery phoning. <laughs> wow, that was <laughs> that's pretty good. That was something. How do we? We're gonna clip that one off and just use that. <laughs> I'm I'm just making drops. We're just that gonna was, use that. We're just making drops for this show left and that right. That was something. We're just gonna use that. That's the one we're going with. Are we just buying time right yeah. now? Forget. We're pretty much pretty just. Much. Uh, we're just trying to. Fill Are we gonna right include now, any yeah. of this crap in the podcast? Absolutely. Probably. It's probably gonna all be in it. Oh, too. Terrific. Absolutely. Well, Here. listeners, <laughs> should we talk about anything else while we're waiting? <laughs> sure. Uh, by the way, you could find uh, all of his pieces. Uh, we're talking about Matthew Franciscovich at NFL.com slash franchise. Uh, he does an opportunity report uh, pretty much every week, right? Uh, he basically talks about how running backs, uh, how they were utilized in week one, and he analyzes, I mean, just a, in great detail, uh, the opportunities laid out before a lot of running backs. And you, Matt Harmon, uh, lay out uh, basically what happens with the wide receiver position. So uh, if you want to read those things, those are great. Uh, NFL.com slash fantasy. I always forget to do this. But, by the way, you can sign up today. NFL.com slash game pass. Start a free seven-day trial. 
you can watch game replays during the regular season. It's awesome. NFL.com slash Game Pass. We here in the Fantasy Stronghold use this ad nauseum. Uh, during not only during game day but also after checking it out last night just trying to go back and watch some stuff uh, oh yeah didn't get a chance to watch the Packer Jaguar game in depth so I uh, you know pulled up game pass and went to the condensed game watched the whole thing in about half an hour uh, look watched a little bit of of Browns Eagles because I wanted to see if Carson Wentz was the real deal or not so All game right. pass helped me out there too all right I tell you what uh, while we try to get uh, Har- <laughs> not Harmon, franchise on the phone. We're going to go to Matt Harmon here. Uh, you wrote Week 2 Next-Gen Stats Analysis. Um, if you haven't read this piece, I highly recommend it. It's a really, really good piece, and it's really interesting because Harmon uses Next-Gen Stats to basically visualize how players were utilized um, and it shows route trees and everything. It, it's a really, really cool thing. I'm not doing it justice by describing it, but uh, go please check it out, nfl.com slash Harmon. It's really, really cool. Um, maybe Matt Harmon, maybe if you can describe what it is that you write here. Yeah, so Next Gen Stats, for anybody that doesn't know, is the NFL's own tr- player tracking system that we've got going on here, and they have a chip in every single player, so it shows you. Obviously, you've all seen, like, the distance run. And I believe it's in their shoulder pads, by the way. They, the yeah, players right, themselves well, okay, I'm sorry. have not <laughs> been <laughs> yeah. total recalled or anything like that. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Under, yeah, it's in the shoulder pads or whatever, so you've seen, like, the speed stuff on television yeah. or, like, the distance run, but there's so much more to it, and this year we're trying to do more and more as an entire media group to, to push it forward, and one of the things that I've been doing is writing this matchups column, so it looks at, you know, how receivers' route charts are, are utilized, right. there are other metrics like time to throw, yep. uh, and p- pretty much you can get, like, heat maps of players, like, where different cornerbacks line up, and I think that's one of the things that I've been using it for a lot is, like, all right, so this cornerback is typically lining up on the left side of the field. How is that going to affect a wide receiver that is going to face him more often or p- players that move around? And, you know, so it, it shows you just a lot of different stuff. All right, so let's start with Chicago um, versus the Eagles. You like – I mean, first of all, a lot of folks like Alshon Jeffrey and, and all of those things. But what did you see? What did the next-gen stats kind of tell you about this matchup upcoming? Alshon Jeffrey and Kevin White versus Philadelphia. Yeah, so starting with the Eagles defense, uh, against Cleveland in week one, right cornerback Nolan Carroll gave up a ton of big plays. Uh, Robert Griffin III targeted Carroll six times in coverage, and Carroll allowed three three receptions for 114 yards. Now, Eagles fans were quick to point out that one of those was a what they what they were saying was a pass interfe- offensive pass interference by uh, Terrell Pryor. But right. my point was a big receiver mossed the hell out of this Carroll guy, <laughs> and uh, and then also Leotis McKelvin, who's their left cornerback, is going to miss this game with a hamstring injury, for- forcing seventh round rookie Jalen Mills into the starting line. Lineup. Alshon Jeffrey and Kevin White, I think, are both in really good positions. Of course, we know Alshon's a stud. His next-gen yeah, stats uh, route chart showed that he was targeted a ton down the field. I mean, incredibly in- incredibly high usage down the field. But one interesting thing to me, Kevin White, you know, we know that he has struggled so far in preseason, and then that rolled over into week one where one of his, incompl- or one of his incompletions called an interception – uh, but he played more snaps and was targeted more than Alshon Jeffrey. And while that doesn't say anything negative about Jeffrey, what it says to me is that they trust him and they do want him to get more involved. And Isn't I think, that interesting? Yeah, and I think this is a good spot for him to try and do that. So, I agree. 
I will certainly be paying attention to that. All right, how about Stefan Diggs? Whoa, he had whoa. A- we have we have franchise. Like what what's happening right now? <laughs> you like Vander? We were trying to roll. I had to go get it. We could have just stopped down for like two minutes. I don't know. No. James kept going. No, we keep going. That's making how we him, do it here. Making it more awkward. No, now we, we have to chop it up later. This no. This is we're going. We're we're the running live. The show hey, is the show. Franchise is going to have to stay on hold while we get through Harmon's next gen stat stuff. Sorry, franchise, are you there? Franchise, you got to stay. Franchise, you got to stay on hold, pal. Stay on hold with me for like five minutes. What is oh going on? Wow. Why don't we no, just no, do what? No worries. Do your thing. Do your thing. It's easy. It's easy. We're doing it live. Oh, what the hell is going on? Stephon Diggs versus the Packers. I'm rolling on. I don't care. Stephon Diggs had over 100 yards receiving. It's Is it a one-week wonder or no? No, I think if you've been paying attention, Stephon Diggs is one of the breakout candidates this year. He had a great training camp. Uh, with the Vikings, and one thing that was really illustrated in his next-gen stats and something that was something that we know that the Vikings wanted to do with him was move him around the formation a lot. You see him running a lot of outbreaking routes, a lot of routes from the slot. Uh, in fact, 27% of his routes came from the slot where he took 4% tight to the line and 69% of his slot snaps out wide. So guy that's moving all around the formation, and I think that's interesting because that's going to put him in advantageous situations, especially against the Packers who might have a really quietly emerging corner in Demarius, Demarius Randall. Randall is good. Yeah, he played really well against Allen Robinson in yep. week one. He was one of my IDP sleepers coming into the Ooh, season. Ooh, look at yeah, you. Boy. Yeah, I mean, he, he was really strong against Robinson. Like I mentioned, he covered him on 13 of 27 pass plays per next-gen stats, and that was more than any other player on the Packers. And he only allowed one catch for four yards against Robinson. So could be a guy that we look Projecting at Projecting nice things player. for Diggs despite the fact that they have no quarterback, really? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Diggs is the ultimate example that targets greater than, greater than, greater than quarterback play when projecting <laughs> wide receivers. I mean, he okay. owned a giant share of the Minnesota offense in week one and still played really well. All right, Legar- this is the final one here, but LeGarrette Blunt versus the Dolphins. I don't think a lot of folks are very comfortable uh, playing LeGarrette Blunt, but you say in your piece that he actually has top ten potential. Is that right? Oh, LeGarrette Blunt, for one, has like an RB2 floor whenever the Patriots play in games where they're, you know, most likely to win the game and, and they play especially a lighter opponent. And I think that certainly uh, qualifies in this game for with sure. the Dolphins coming to Foxborough. By the way, the poor Dolphins, like, they had to travel to Seattle in week one and then to Foxborough in week two. Yep. That's rough. And I think one thing that Next Gen Stats kind of helps put an emphasis on and why he might have an even, even higher ceiling than just that floor that I illustrated the Dolphins play a wide nine defense. They hired jo- or Jim Washburn to be their pass rush specialist coach this offseason. And if you look at the charts that I put on there, you see how wide that those defensive ends align off the tackle box. Right. And I think that's just going to be a really big advantage for Blunt, who already handled 22 carries in week one. I think they Which was surprising. Yeah, I think they want him to be the offensive anchor while Tom Brady is out. And so I think he's going to have a ton of running lanes up in the middle of the, in the, middle of the field there. I think Blunt is like – a must play in DFS, and if you have him on the line uh, in in your season long league, you right. want to play him this week. I, I'm I love his upside. I mean, I game. think they're going to try to avoid Indomitian Sue, but and you're just going to see a lot of runs off tackle. You're going to just see it. I mean, against that wide nine, that's how you attack it. Yeah, uh, you, you, you got to just run off tackle. And I think the Patriots, they're brilliant about game planning. 
I think you're going to see a bunch of that. Miami, I don't. I don't disagree with that. Miami with also has a ton of like light linebackers. They ha- they're running out Kiko Alonso as their main linebacker right now. And Blunt, when he gets to the second level, you know, Blunt gets a bad rap for for a lot of different reasons. But he's been a really good player whenever he's been with New England. And if he gets to the second level against those light linebackers and then into the secondary, I mean, forget about it. I like I said, I think he has top ten upside. Week two, next gen stats analysis by Matt Harmon. You can go check it out. NFL.com/slash/Harmon. All right, now. Now we can talk to the franchise. 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 Fiery phone in. <laughs> What's up? Uh, hey, listen, man. Um, uh, you, you write this banger every single week. It's about uh, running back opportunities. You can go check it out, NFL.com slash franchise. Give me a running back you love this week. All right. My, my lock-in RB1, it's kind of a chalky pick, but it's Lamar Miller versus Kansas City this week. Um Last week, Miller logged 32 touches, uh, grinding away yardage against Chicago. Uh, it's pretty clear that the Texans want him uh, to be a key player in their offense. Um, him, Lamar Miller and D'Angelo Williams are the only running backs who logged over 30 touches and over 100 rushing yards in week one. Um, and I, lo- I love this matchup for Miller against Kansas City because the Chiefs allowed 146 rushing yards to Chargers running backs last week between mm. – uh, Melvin Gordon and Danny Wood had combined, and they scored uh, three red zone touchdowns. And all those red zone touches are going to go to Lamar Miller if the Texans get in close. I love um, it. Can- Kansas City's linebacking core is in bad shape. They're without Josh Mauga for the entire season with a hip. Linebacker Justin Houston is out until at least November with a knee injury. And Tamba Ali uh, with a knee injury played limited snaps in a rotation last week with D Ford and Frank Zombo, and it didn't really work out for them. Um, Danny Woodhead, who's a guy we know more for his pass-catching prowess than his rushing ability, actually ate up huge chunks of field with 80 rushing yards on 14 attempts against the Chiefs last year out of the shotgun formation. Um, Miller will Miller had 31 snaps out of shotgun last week against Chicago with 12 carries for 54 yards and one reception for six yards. So all that red zone work is going to go to Miller. He's not going to be splitting with anyone. He already had 32 touches in that first game. He's going to have a huge workload, and I love him as, as an RB1 this week. What you're telling me is Lamar Miller is good. San Diego's uh, – or excuse me, uh, uh, Kansas City uh, is in trouble. I like it. Give me a running back that you don't like this week based off of opportunities and touches. Okay, the the guy that I'm calling my worst play uh, this week is DeMarco Murray of the Titans. Ooh. Mm, yep. So everyone thinks, you know, he had a great fantasy game because he scored two receiving touchdowns. Right. That's great. That's fine. He averaged 3.2 yards per carry on his 13 rush attempts, which is pretty bad. It's basically the DeMarco Murray we saw last year in Philadelphia. Um, I put him in my trade calls column earlier this week to try to sell high on because I don't think his value will ever be as blown up as it is now coming off those, those two touchdowns. Um, I expect uh, Jim Bob Cooter and Matt Stafford to attack the Titans secondary early in this game. Um, that Titans secondary, as you guys were talking about earlier with uh, Stephon Diggs, they allowed Sean freaking Sean Hill to throw <laughs> for 200, 236 yards. Um, you know, the Vikings defense won that game for them, but, yeah, uh, that's you know that's kind of telling as to what the Titans secondary is looking like, and I think once the Lions get up in this game, they won't be able to use Murray as much. Um, and plus, there's Derrick Henry back there who only had seven touches last week. They need to get him more involved. 
he gained 41 receiving yards on his two receptions and was just making things happen. He looks good um, out there. Can I ask? Uh, can I ask a, two questions here? Well, one I want to say, franchise, um, I miss you. Uh, it's only been one day, but you not being here today has been tough. Um, your your desk is empty and sad. Would you say you haven't eaten in weeks? Even I though haven't eaten, yeah. even though he's only been day. gone one day. I haven't eaten in weeks. Um, <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, second question: What are you What are you doing on your day off? Uh, I had to go to the bank this morning. You know, <laughs> like, oh, this is good podcast stuff now. Real, real people stuff. Real uh, people. You know, taking care of the dog and you know, grinding out stats for the podcast. All right, yeah, buddy. All, right. all right, super boring was hopefully was looking for some like no pants, you know, Doritos stories, but we'll get to those later on on, <laughs> on the feelings podcast. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you seriously about the Titans running backs though. So you would, I guess, you would say that you're thinking that Derrick Henry is going to be the guy that's out on passing downs, which would be accurate. Uh, from week one, he played more passing plays actually than running plays, because I would yeah. I would say like he has to be in order to, in order for Demarco Murray to disappoint because the Lions are probably going to get up early. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like I think the Lions are going to come out to a lead. Um, Demarco Murray's not going to get. I don't think he's going to get those chances as a rusher. He did have five receptions last year for thirty or last week for thirty five yards, but. Um, I think they just need, like, if the Titans want to win, they need to get Derrick Henry involved. He's, he's, he's just a, a better playmaker than Murray. Murray might be the lead back, the veteran presence there, but Henry can make magic things happen. So, Give me a sleeper running back you like. All right, my sleeper is going to be Giovanni Bernard this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yeah, um, here we go. The Bengals come into Heinz Field this week. Uh, I think they are going to want to control the clock and keep, try to keep the ball away from Big Ben, Antonio Brown, and D'Angelo Williams. Wall went off last week against uh, Washington. Um, so in order to control the clock, they, they're going to need to feed their running backs and have them be efficient, which they were not last uh, week, uh, especially in third-down situations, which calls for geo, geo touches. Um, last week, Geo had just seven total touches against the Jets. He was good on his rush attempts. He averaged five yards per carry on his five rushes. Um, but the Jets did a good job of bottling him up, him up as a pass catcher. He only had two catches for five yards. Um, and obviously, Cincinnati took advantage of A.J. Green's matchup with Revis last week. But I think they'll need to be more creative against the Steelers if they want to keep up with that high-flying offense. So I like Gio Bernard to bounce back here. We're talking go. about a guy who compiled 1,200 yards from scrimmage in two of the last three seasons and over 1,000 yards from scrimmage in the other. He only had 30 total yards last week. Um, he's an extreme value play in DFS. I like it. Especially man. if it's a PPR scoring format. Atta, baby. There you go. All right, it's Franchise's Fiery Phoner. <laughs> oh, you, guys, you guys want my fire take? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. fire take. My fire take is that Alfred Morris gets revenge on the Redskins. Revenge! Revenge! <laughs> he came in the game last week yeah. after he couldn't do anything. He averaged five yards per carry. I think they're going to give Freddie Moe a chance to uh, get some red zone touches and maybe get in the end zone. So I like it. I like, yeah, I like Moe to get his, his revenge on his old team. By the way, we're firing up Danger Zone uh, after the podcast today with me and Adam Rank, and, uh, and based off of that, I am throwing Freddie Moe into the danger zone. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I like it. It's Franchise's Fiery Phoner, ladies and gentlemen. Franchise, enjoy your day off, pal. We'll see you Sunday, man. Thanks, guys. Bye. Miss you.
<laughs> All right, let's get to Fantasy Audibles. Gelhar, what is Fantasy Audible? Oh, God, man? we're really doing this. It's a thing where we use from SAP. We use a player comparison tool. It doesn't really work, but I pick uh, <laughs> I pick lineup decisions for people. Uh, but this tool is still not fully operational yet. So I, I, just, I am much, a big much fan like of the Death Star. <laughs> Mark, much like the Death Star. It's not fully not operational. Fully operational. Oh, I'm a big God. fan of in the column when you lead off with the player comparison tool is this, 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 and this, this. But doesn't work yet, so we're not even going to talk about that anymore. Uh, Let's actually talk about real things. I love it. But I just picked lineup decisions, and this week <laughs> the, the ones we focused on were Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr. Okay. Um, Spencer Ware or TJ Yeldon, yeah. uh, Colby Fleener or Dwayne Allen, All right, so and then uh, another wide receiver one I forgot already, but you can read it at nfl.com slash Gelhar. All right, there you go. So let me ask you about your first one. Aaron Rodgers versus Derek Carr. Why that? Why that? Yeah. Well, Aaron Rodgers has a is a tough matchup this week going on the road the opening day of this new Viking stadium against Mike Zimmer, who of all the defensive coordinators he faced is one of the ones that's consistently gotten his goat. Uh, I tweeted out this picture, and it's in the article as well. But Rodgers averages 40 less yards per game and a whole half a touchdown less per game when he plays Mike Zimmer than his other career averages. So with Jordy Nelson still not fully back, the offense was, you know, it's loaded with playmakers, but Harmon noted in his next-gen matchups column too, they're still relying on Aaron Rodgers to street ball a little bit to, to get them around. You could paint a scenario where you bench Rodgers for somebody with a better matchup. I think I have him ranked lower than guys like Matthew Stafford this weekend, for example. Okay. But we know Rodgers' ceiling is enormous. Yeah. Uh, he could go off for six touchdowns in a bad matchup any day, especially if this is the game where Jordy Nelson comes back. Uh, what's concerning for the Vikings is Xavier Rhodes is likely to be out, their number That's one right. corner, which means they're going to be right. starting Trey Waynes, who kind of got worked last week. I was trying to get some next-gen stats nuggets before the podcast on this, but did not get them out in time. Oh, actually, wait. They just hit my inbox, so let's see. The, uh, <laughs> so here we go. Breaking news. Breaking news. Trey yeah. Waynes last week uh, only allowed a 58.3% completion percentage, but uh, that was the Titans and not Aaron Rodgers. Right. Um, and he's then, a, Overall, he's a pretty good player. He's a, he's a talented guy, but he hasn't quite delivered on his first-round billing yet. Yeah, but, I hear you. So that's the situation I said at the end I would still end up starting Rodgers over Carr just because of him being Aaron Rodgers. Well, what do you like about I mean, you must really like Carr. Well, Carr's, Carr's got a good re- matchup. Atlanta really can't rush the passer. They they barely touched um, Winston in Week One. They only had 19 sacks last week or last season. Carr was able to stay clean against New Orleans. He only had, was hit three times, wasn't sacked once, and put up big numbers. So if you take away a couple, you know, the random 75-yard Jalen Richard touchdown, that could even lead to more opportunities for him. And Amari Cooper's in a good spot, as Harmon also noted in his column, and. It's just it's just a good opportunity for Carr to be able to go out there and put up solid QB one numbers again. Spencer Ware or TJ Yeldon? Uh, Choose wisely. It's Spencer yeah. Ware, guys. <laughs> we already basically kind of hinted at this, I think, yeah. off the top, and it's, it's just Spencer Ware. Okay, but uh, what do you like about TJ Yeldon's matchup? I mean, when here's the thing: I, I know that when you put Spencer Ware there, you're already saying, okay, the bar's high. But you're saying you like T.J. Yeldon this week as well. Why? Well, Chris Ivory's officially been ruled out. Right. Uh, the San Diego defense gave up 13 catches on 14 targets for 153 yards to Kansas City last last week. Yeldon, as we mentioned off the top, is a good pass-catching back. And if this game turns into a shootout, which we think it could, Prince of Mukamara has also been ruled out. So the Jaguars' the secondary is not going to be as uh, tight as it was in week one against the Packers. Right. Could turn into a, a game where they're trading blows, and Yeldon could see a ton of work. All right. There you go. 
Be sure to check it out. Uh, Fantasy Audibles, NFL.com slash Gelhar. All right, let's talk about some potential shootouts very quickly. Uh, you put Cincinnati at Pittsburgh here. You know, it, it's interesting, Gelhar. I, I think this is going to be a low-scoring affair. It probably could be, but A.J. Green and Antonio Brown, and you never know with division rivals. Yeah. All right, there you go. Green has a hell of a good history against the Steelers the last several years, and especially he's he's – He's worked them over. There's so much talent on the offensive side. A sneaky player to watch in this game is Jesse James, who played 100% of the snaps. For Saw the a lot of targets at, last at week. At tight end. Yeah, he, he caught five for 31, I think. Um, but he was used heavily in the red zone, had two targets inside the 10-yard line. If you're a Gronk owner, uh, if you're looking to just kind of fiddle around with tight ends, I think I think Jesse James could be a really good player uh, in this matchup. Heath Miller had 10 catches in both games against the Bengals last year. Interesting. All right, how about D'Angelo Williams? I mean, he came out just firing in week one. Does he do it again in week two? I think so. I mean, at this point, it's hard for me to doubt D'Angelo Williams with what we've seen. And, and you know, I know Armin tweeted last week during the Steelers game that it's been fun to watch this late career resurgence, ex- like resurgence yeah. explosion, whatever you want to call it, from D'Angelo Williams. And, and he's kind of become one of these guys for me that as long as he's the starter and is getting the bulk of the carries, I have a hard time coming up with a reason to not put him in my lineup. No, I don't think there's any reason for you to take Williams <laughs> out of your lineup. He's playing, I mean, just incredible. And I think the way that Carolina just used those two backs like just so, so terribly when they were together – um, I think that actually kind of preserved him, and now this is why he's having this late career surge with Pittsburgh. Isn't that interesting? He's also such a he's, – he's older for a running back, too. It's he's so the weird. oldest running back in the NFL. At so 33. I know. No, I know. But, it, again, it's like – No, I, is like, I mean, I only say that just because, you know, I was reading recently about the trend of the NFL getting younger as a whole. Yeah. And the fact that 33 is now the oldest running back in the NFL. When before, you'd always have a guy who's like 35, oh, yeah. 36, oh, yeah. still kicking yeah. around. Oh, yeah. Fred Taylor, like, tearing up the league at like 36 a few years ago. Right. Yep. Right. It's true. It's true. And for, Matt Forte went off for about 4.3 yards per carry. Not went off against the Bengals, but he had a solid showing. They have a great defensive line, but without uh, Vontaze Burfick still, who I believe is still on suspension, that hurts their front seven. So D'Angelo Williams should be a solid play again. All right, Andy Dalton, Ben Roethlisberger. Who do you like more? Dalton. Ooh, Dalton. That's spicy. I think I like Dalton a little bit more. This game is in Pittsburgh, right? It Correct. is. Yeah, then I like then I like Ben because he has kind of actually pretty troubling home and away splits yeah. uh, where he struggled Isn't really. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's it's quite strange. He struggled. Doesn't uh, make sense. Or like put up fine numbers away from home from away from home but in at his home, career. He's, he's elite. Yeah, I mean, I just think he and Brown right now are just on another level. I think yeah. the fact that they have had guys like Jesse James and Eli Rogers step up with mm-hmm. the, the other players being hurt, I think that only helps Ben's cause. Uh, by the way, Marcus Wheaton expected to play in this game as well. All right, New cool. Orleans. No one cares. Oh, don't care. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I'm just, I just threw it in. Uh, New Orleans at uh, the Giants. Breeze on the road. Eli Manning uh, last year just went bonkers i guess both quarterbacks went bonkers last year in this matchup uh who do you like i mean you, you're gonna like everybody but uh you know what i guess what stats what trends what what are you looking at in this game uh i think i think you'll see both quarterbacks have pretty good games I, i'm not going to go out and say that they're going to combine for 13 touchdown passes again but i do think they're but gonna it could happen it certainly could happen i mean that's the crazy thing it could totally happen it could absolutely again. happen i i think Eli has a better game than Drew Brees. One, because you know you talk about home road splits for Ben Roethlisberger. The home road splits for Drew Brees generally have been pretty stark as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you've got Brees on the road against a Giants defense that looks improved. Now, 
I know last week they were playing a rookie quarterback and a rookie running back, so you know maybe you take that with a grain of salt. But just watching that game and going back and watching it on Game Pass, yeah, let's plug right there. Uh, this unit looks a lot better, and it really starts up front having guys like Olivier Vernon be able to get after the quarterback, having you know Damon Harrison right there as a kind of a gap filler in the middle. I think Breeze puts up good numbers, but I think the the Saints may be chasing pretty much the whole game. How about Rashad Jennings in this matchup? Love him. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you you got to love him. The Saints really gave it up to every running back but Latavius Murray uh, in week one against the Raiders. But I think there's, you know, no way that Jennings doesn't see feature back touches. It was pretty much him and Vereen in week one, and oh, I yeah. think he still saw 19 touches out of the backfield. So I, I really like Jennings this week. I like pretty much everybody on the Giants. You mentioned the Breeze home and away splits. I just wanted to actually put some numbers to that. Okay. He averages 30 points. Uh, p- fantasy points per game at home the last three years from 2013, 14, and 15, and only 21 on the road. You know, that's not a drastic drop-off, but it, it's a pretty substantial drop-off. He averages 341 passing yards at home, 295 passing yards on the road. Um, also, it's kind of forecasted to rain a little bit uh, in New York on uh, or in New Jersey on this game day. So Good catch. Be aware of that. Uh, you know, that could be a situation where, again, the Saints playing outside, away from the dome, in the rain, not something they're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I this I don't really have a good feeling on the same because I could, I, I could see it being kind of a trap game on New Orleans' side. Um, but for the Giants, I still think pretty much toss everybody out there. The Saints are missing their top cornerback, Delvin Bro. Right. They're playing guys like C.O. Moore or not even Sterling Moore. I don't even know who the guy's name is. They just signed somebody off the street. I think it was him. They signed Sterling Moore. They signed another player recently, and they're playing a bunch of, like, undrafted and rookie players. Their secondary is just a mess at the corner position. I think Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham is in for a nuclear game. How about Victor Cruz? I think Cruz is is worth looking at. I mean, he certainly was a big part of the offense. They played – almost exclusively in the three-receiver set in week one, and I think that's something we should um, expect to continue. There's no reason that Victor Cruz can't be a big part of this offense if he's healthy. All right, San Diego uh, taking on Jacksonville. Gilhar, what do you like in this matchup? I think uh, I think Woodhead's going to be a great play in this matchup, especially if it turns into a shootout. He outsnapped and outrushed Melvin Gordon in the second half as Kansas City was trying to claw their way back into it. And right. I, I'm not afraid of starting starting Gordon either, but I just think Woodhead's going to be a great play. I like as, them both. As far as the wide receivers for San Diego go, I'm not trusting any of them yet this week. Nope. I don't want to see how the target distribution shakes out with Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams and yep. Dontrell Inman and stuff, but. I think Woodhead and Gates are both great plays on the on the San Diego side. Of the and I I went last night just out of curiosity and looked up some old Tyrell Williams film, which by the way, not easy to find. No, West, um, Western Oregon. Western Oregon. You know, I saw some. some wow. I saw some Western Oregon highlights, and he literally looked like a man playing with you know high school kids out there. You know, the juggernauts like the South Dakota School of Mines and Technology. <laughs> Um, you know, they don't really offer a whole lot. But I did go back and actually watch some of his preseason tape from last year with the Chargers, and he's fast, he's big. Beyond that, there's still a lot of work to do. So I know that he's kind of the next guy in line there in San Diego. He's the next right. guy to get an opportunity. But I still think he is a ways away from being a consistently productive. So what, know, I, what I read from the San Diego Union Tribune, and I, and I would agree with this, uh, from what I've seen of, uh, and again, I, I know, it, it, look, I, I went back to some of that Western Oregon stuff too, but um, big, strong guy, uh, but, or a fast guy too, but he doesn't play strong. 
and he's lets the ball come into him. Mm-hmm. And in the NFL, that just doesn't work, uh, especially given his size. He, he's got to go attack that ball. Now, uh, from the San Diego Union-Tribune, what they said was that they're working with him on, on that exact thing, is that they're trying to get him to attack the ball in the air. And that's what he's got to get done. Uh, so he knows that's what he needs to work on. The coaching staff knows that's what he needs to work on. Um, so we'll see if it actually makes uh, an impact here in week two. Here's how I would look at this wide receiver group. I think Travis Benjamin obviously becomes kind of the de facto number one. And we saw what that looks like last year in Cleveland. I think he can have a very similar season where he has some pretty usable weeks. You try to pick and guess those. I think he is more than a deep threat. I think he can he can run some pretty good routes, especially underneath the slants and everything thing like that which is important that's what San Diego wants to do right Tyrell Williams great upside I think you know I he's agree. the one that like if anything clicked he would become the guy that we are most interested in he also fits a type Adam Rank wrote about this for uh, his sleepers column this week that he really just fits exactly what they kind of look for in these unheralded receivers Malcolm Floyd Vincent Jan- it doesn't matter Den- Denario yeah. Alexander Denario, like, that's, that was right. A thing. <laughs> that's um, right I forgot about him and but don't sleep on Dontrell Inman who actually played the most snaps after Keenan Allen went down, he right. led the team in slot snaps with 68% run from there. I I wouldn't be surprised if he has several, like, five to seven catch games just because somebody's going to have to catch the football. That's, That's a very good point. A-Rob should just go bazonkers in this game as well. He was. I, I know Jason Verrett's a very good player, but, I mean, San Diego in general is just – their defense is, is struggling. He was in the next-gen stats column, too. I looked at uh, how they performed against each other – dating back to last year when when the Chargers and Jaguars faced off. Several of his downfield routes that Bortles just missed on, you can see that in his next-gen stats route chart too. I mean, he led the he led the NFL in targets, fifteen That's in insane. week one. Right. You know, which kind of puts to bed any of those thoughts that like, well, if the Jags are better, you know, he might not get the football as much. I am I have zero worries about No. That. Yeah, none. Zero. I think I think he's in another one of these guys. I mentioned this to Gelhar this morning. I tweeted it out like of our consensus, like top eight ranked receivers, which includes Robinson, all these guys could just absolutely go ham this week. I That's mean, a very good point. Beckham, or, uh, Robinson was honestly like 12 inches from having a just monstrous game against the Packers. Yeah, agreed. Bortles, Bortles missed him on one touchdown, and then right. there was the one that haha Clinton Dix knocked out of his hands that he could have maybe gotten in if Clinton Dix had made that play. But. His, his Robinson's numbers were not an issue, of, not a factor of not getting targets. They just didn't connect. That's all. Yeah, and Verrett is a really good corner. Actually, ironically, like they, like I said, they played each other last year. Like this, so they have experience against each other. But you know, he's he's the type of corner that like he'll shadow guys across the field. But teams can do things to get them away from from the number one cornerback. They lined Robinson up in the slot on twenty seven percent of his snaps in Week One. So look for them to do that in this spot. Atlanta taking on Oakland at Oakland. Uh, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, fire them all up. I'm assuming. Uh, what do we make of this backfield though? Uh, God. It's kind of like Marcus said in in our last podcast, like with Devonta Freeman, you probably just spent a second round pick on a flex play. Sorry about your luck. <laughs> I, honestly, yeah. It, Basically. I wouldn't I wouldn't take it to the bank that Coleman's going to outwork Freeman in the passing game. I don't know. I'm so fascinated to watch this game and see how the backfield split looks in this one. But either of those guys, they can't be anything more than a flex for you. It's so weird that Tevin Coleman was getting so much work in the passing game when we – I mean, we've seen what Devonta Freeman can do out of the backfield catching balls. But, man, that's, that's weird. And, 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 again, it's one of those things where if Tevin Coleman is, is using up a lot of that passing work, the floor for Freeman gets pretty low. Um, Latavius Murray, look, I, you know, I, I know he's been 
<laughs> kind of maligned here. Persona non grata. Yeah, a little bit. But you know what? I, I, I've been a big Latavius Murray supporter because of the offensive line. I like the offense in general. Uh, I think he's developing as a talent himself. So uh, I like him in this game. Uh, I, I know that the big runs for, for Oakland were went to other guys last week. But, again, you know, it's just a matter of, like, opportunity. And for me, I think they're trying to give Latavius Murray the ball. I really like him in this matchup. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, the, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, I don't think that the Falcons have a very good defense. So I think this game is another one that could absolutely be a shootout. I expect Amari Cooper to just go off in this game. Desmond Trufant is the Falcons' best corner, but he played all but two of his snaps at left cornerback. And Cooper moves around the formation, as does Crabtree. So I expect him to just pick on the other side of the field, which is exactly what the Buccaneers did with Mike Evans. Tennessee taking on Detroit. Detroit's offense look great uh, are they going to have another big game here uh, against Tennessee uh, I think it'll be muted a little bit I, I do think though they have found something with Jim Bob Cooter's offense oh yeah and, and I do oh think, yeah I do think not having Calvin Johnson makes Matt Stafford a better quarterback because it forces him to spread the ball around a Isn't little bit weird? more I mean we saw you know Marvin Jones quietly put together a pretty nice game Golden yep. Tate had a lot of targets yep obviously the the two big headlines were Theo Riddick and Amir Abdullah in that one even Eric Ebron had a nice day so in some ways yeah, my fear maybe is that this turns into the Saints offense where you can never completely predict anything, but I think it's good news for Matt Stafford and his ability to be not only be productive, but also maybe take care of the football a little bit more. Isn't that weird? It, I, I, I totally 100% agree with you. I thought Matt Stafford actually looked really good. I mean, I, I get it. The Colts' defense is Barbo. Uh, but I thought what Matt Stafford was doing in terms of decision-making um, and the way he played, I, I, I liked what I saw out there. I think we talked about this on the last podcast. Like They have really dialed out that YOLO ball tendency in right. Stafford's game, and he, was the lowest, he had the lowest average depth of aimed throw among any starting quarterback in week one. That's exactly what they wanted to be. This is a crazy stat that Marvin Jones was the only player that Matthew Stafford threw an incompletion to last right. week. Right. Every, uh, every, I was <laughs> going to say that. I think we mentioned it a little bit on the last pod, but every other receiver caught 100% of his targets. That's right. crazy. But that's because like, Golden Tate was only av- average with being, like, what, 1.5 1. 1. yards? 1.3. That was going to make that point, too. 1.3 yards. Marvin, <laughs> Marvin Jones led the team in targets with 10. Uh, okay. he, only ca- he only caught four for 85. His average depth of target was 12.6. The next highest was Eric Ebron at 6.8, I think. So, obviously, the running backs had a low one. Golden Tate, as you mentioned, 1.3. Anquan Bolden, 2. So, I mean, we know Jones is going to be the big play boundary receiver, and I think this is a spot where he could just have a little bit of, you know, positive regression, and he's still going to lead the team in targets, be the right. downfield guy, and this one he connects a little bit more. So I'm still totally all in on Jones. I'm super all in on Marvin Jones. All right, uh, worrisome matchups here. Dallas at Washington. I think some folks, Gelhar, might think this could be a shootout. What say you? I don't know. Like uh, Harmon hit this one on the head last week with Dallas wanting to slow the game down against yeah. the opponents. I don't think that's going to be just uh, the New York Giants. They ran like 75 plays in week one. They're going to try and control the clock. I, I think Zeke's in a good spot, but you know I, I have worries about that, that Washington offense too. Kirk Cousins was scattershot in, in week one. He was missing players he should have hit. He looked kind of a little a little scared, skittish in the pocket and stuff. So I, I don't. there's just so many questions around this with the Washington offense. What the hell's going on in their backfield? Is Des Bryant going to get targets this week? Is Cole Beasley going to get 12 targets again? Like, I don't Deshaun know. Deshaun looked I, fine. 
aside, Deshaun looked good. Deshaun looked very good. I think he could be in a good, he could be in a, a solid play this week, as is Jordan Reed. But outside of those two and Zeke, I mean, I don't know about anybody else. I'm not trusting a lot in this matchup. Ezekiel so, Elliott just 2.5 yards per carry last week, which was very surprising. Uh, does he bounce back? I, I think so. I just wanted to make one point on Jordan Reed. Oh, please. Um, because we talked about last week, like you said, Dallas slowed the game down. They've done that to Odell Beckham twice last year and again this year. That's the same thing they've done to a player like Jordan Reed, too, with that slowed down pace. Reed averaged 19.45 PPR fantasy points per game in the 12 games he played last year that wasn't facing Dallas. In two games versus Dallas, 7.4 points and 39 receiving yards compared to 72 yards per game. 7.4 PPR points? Yes. Oh, my God. Against, against the, in his two games against Dallas last year, and 39 yards per game against Dallas as opposed to 72 against everybody else. So, I mean, that could just that's one of those things that like, it could just totally reverse. But I think because there's a plausible explanation to it in that Dallas limits the opportunities of their opponent, they slow the game down, something to be aware of. Uh, with Reed, but I, I, like you mentioned with Ezekiel Elliott, I really like him a lot this week. He got the work. The Giants defense, I think we can definitely say, underrated, stopped him really well, yep. and D'Angelo Williams took the Washington defense to the woodshed in week one. Yep. Uh, Des Bryant, I think, still <sighs> – just I don't know. I, I got to think that their game plan is going to involve more Des they, Bryant they this even week. I hope They're so. not going to. They even came out and said, that, I mean, that could be a smoke <sighs> screen, but they're like, we're not going to force it to Des. I just, Puke. it doesn't make sense to me. If, so, I'm a, if I am a Des owner, I am definitely deke shrieking at that one. I oh, mean, yeah. For God's sakes. <laughs> Ugh. If, and just as a person that likes good football players to be used good. Right, if, I, if, if I may steal from Matt Harmon here. Okay, please. Just throw it to your good players. It doesn't have to be that hard, bro. It's not that hard. I mean, how many? So Jason Witten had what? Fifteen tar- or uh, fourteen? Fourteen targets. That's unreal. That's just unreal. throw it to your good players. It yeah. doesn't make sense to me. I feel like we're gonna be doing this all year. Uh, look, cut, I like cut this segment. Replay it. I know. Look, <laughs> the, the the thing is too. Dak Prescott. Um, you he's doing what you want young quarterbacks to do. Throw it to your wide open guys, and he's doing. He's making the reads. He's seeing that Dez is being double covered. Okay, I'm going to check it down. But at some point in the NFL, man, you just got to throw it to the guy. If, if anything, just to keep the defense honest. Uh, but, man, it, it was painful uh, how little Dez was utilized in that game. All right, jumping ahead, Tampa Bay, Arizona. Jameis Winston had four touchdowns last week. This is much stiffer competition here for Jameis Winston. Uh, expectations for him. Uh, are you worried against this very, you know, good Cardinals defense that I imagine uh, they're going to be in desperation mode here? They can't go 0-2, not if they're thinking, hey, we want to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about Jameis this week. You know, going on the road there in the desert and playing that Cardinals team after a tough loss in week one. Um, you know, this is not going to be like carving up the Falcons. I will say, if there's one guy that I kind of have my eye on, and this is definitely a, a sleeper play, it's ASJ. And that's because Ooh. the Cardinals, historically, in the last few years, okay. have really struggled to cover the tight end position. And, and Safarian Jenkins, for whatever issues he has about being a head case and everything, is still a super athletic, talented guy. I mean, we saw it, granted, he had one catch. But it was a heck of a catch. That 30-yard touchdown he caught from Jameis Winston was, man. So, um, you know, look, it it is definitely a kind of a YOLO play. But I think if there's one guy to keep an eye on, he's one of the ones. All right, so Larry Fitzgerald uh, continues to impress. Does he do it again here against Tampa Bay? Sure. 
I, I don't know. <laughs> this, that, that pass catching core is hard to predict. Uh, the one thing I will say about being concerned about Jameis too, and I, I, these are good numbers, the average depth of aim throw we've talked about a few times from PFF, is Jimmy Garoppolo was able to like find success against the Cardinals, but he never challenged them deep. He averaged 6.8 yards per aim throw. I think the only one was ja- probably the Chris Hogan touchdown. On a, blow, a total on blown, blown coverage. coverage yeah. Jameis is a guy that in that offense throws the ball downfield. He averaged 10.4 yards per aim throw, which was tied fourth highest in the league last week. That concerns me, especially if Mike Evans gets the the Patrick Peterson treatment and yep. like is Vincent Jackson officially washed? He had like two for twenty one last week, which I feel is his like mainstay stat line these days. I, I was gonna say even if he's washed though, which he which he certainly might be. I think we talked about that a lot this preseason. Um, this is a really good matchup for him. If, Not bad. If, if Peterson is is tied up with Evans all day and those two are going at it, and you know. Jackson gets this Brandon Williams character or even Justin Bethel if he comes back he's nursing an upper body injury uh, I, I like Jackson in this spot like especially DFS play, D- yeah, yeah. For, for DFS something like that I don't know if you have the stones to start him in a season long right uh, or if you just don't have better options but I, I definitely like him as a dart throw in DFS alright there you go uh, let's talk about some interesting matchups here San Francisco taking on Carolina at Carolina uh, are you? I mean, look. I know C.J. Anderson had a great game against Carolina, but it, this is a different style of running attack. Uh, expectations for Carlos Hyde? Not good. Yeah, I'm not, not great, Bob. Yeah. Not great, Bob. Um, and I think part of it because the Panthers got carved up by C.J. Anderson last week. This is a very prideful defense, a very good defense, and I mean, you talk about Arizona being you know, kind of on the hot seat, and I think the Panthers are the same way. I mean, the they do not want to start zero and two especially losing at home to San Francisco, I think their plan will be to limit Carlos Hyde and see if Blaine Gabbert and his grab bag of receivers can Jeremy Curley, baby. Jeremy Curley, Quentin. By the way, Quentin Patton, just just as an aside, um, you chirp a lot for a dude who's Quentin Patton. I mean, (laughs) that's what I noticed last week. Like, every seven-yard catch, he was, like, chirping and pointing. I'm like, you're Quentin Patton. Let's just calm the heck down. Yeah, you're beating the Rams, One thing, I want to give a shout-out to our our new hire here in the the fantasy team, especially on Fantasy Live and stuff, Cynthia Freeland. We have her doing a column each week with her analytics and stats called 15 Must-Read Stats for each week. And I thought this was an interesting nugget from her column. Uh, The 49ers had 144 rush yards between the tackles in week one, which is more than they had in any game in 2015. The Panthers allowed 5.7 yards per rush between the tackles last week, which is the third worst total in the NFL. That's where, you know, a lot of Carlos Hyde's work came. We saw him showing great patience and vision in there. So it could, you know, I'm not going to totally jump off ship with him. The the 49ers are, are big dogs in this game. You know, it's Carolina. They're at home. So that worries me. But there could be, you know, you could stand a reason to still trot out Carlos Hyde in the flex, depending on your roster. I think, uh, I mean, with that guy, with that guy, in that offense, you almost have to play him at least at, le- at least in the flex. Yeah, I mean, I would break ties. I don't like playing running backs in my flex, anyways, but that's a whole other discussion. Say um, depending on the league. Yeah, but I mean, I would just try to break ties in favor of getting Carlos Hyde out of your lineup because I think the Panthers are gonna whoop the 49ers. And well, I mean, not really because they're gonna go 0 and 16, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being serious for a second. I think they're going to whoop the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, they they looked you know at good they looked good at times on Monday night, but on other drives they certainly looked like the mess of an offense that we expected. I just really don't think there's going to be a situation where he can rack up you know 15 plus carries in this game. And uh, I Sean Drawn was still rolling out there. I could see him coming out on passing downs in a, in a catch up game script. So yeah, he had seven rush attempts too. 
I don't, man. Yeah, I got. I got to be honest. With you. I, I don't know if I agree with that because I think no matter what, Chip Kelly's going to get the running backs the ball. Uh, it's just what is he going to do? He's going to get 15 carries. It's just what is he going to do with those 15 carries? Yeah. It doesn't. They could be down 40 to nothing. Chip Kelly is still going to be giving the ball to his running backs. It's just that's just how his offense works. But uh, again, will he be effective with no. 15 touches? Eh, I don't uh, know. On the flip side, the other running back, can I speak cape up from a boy here real quick? Jay Stu. Jay Stu. Uh, he's got a an, an, uh, ankle injury. Yep. He's questionable on he's the been thing. He's limited. All week. Expected to play. It's yeah. Kind of the kind of the veteran little nick up thing. Mm-hmm. He is so much more productive in games where the 40, the Carolina Panthers are heavy favorites, and this is the type of game script where Stewart oh, could yeah. see like. 20, 25 carries and rack up a good good amount of yardage and, you know, God willing, even find his way into the end zone. So if you have Jay <laughs> Stu and you got burned last week, I think this is a week too. I was going to say, up. so this week he'll get eight points instead of six. <laughs> <laughs> I hate all of you. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I love Jonathan Stewart, but it is pretty funny to, to, to bust you about this. Uh, Baltimore taking on Cleveland. Um, Joe Flacco – is he streamable? Stream uh, both quarterbacks. Oh yeah, game, yeah. To be honest. Oh yeah. Uh, they're actually. I'm starting both in various leagues. <laughs> no, week. come on. Well, especially leagues where I had Tyrod and I didn't start him because I thought they were going to get smoked. No. Or leagues where I had Philip Rivers. I picked up uh, Joe Flacco just in case because I, I like that upside as opposed to what what might happen with. Phillip but wait, why so. Josh? Come on. Not Josh McCann. You're not. That's it. That's in a two QB league, and he and Harmon looks like he's ready to fire off some takes. So I'll let him take the floor here. I mean, he went for over 400 yards in the first meeting with Baltimore last year, and I mean, he had a serviceable contest over 250 yards in the second game against Baltimore. And listen, that Gary Barnage and he have a connection. We they talked do. about the uh, much more productive stat line he, Barnage posted with yeah. McCown under center. They have better weapons this year with McCown out there they than do. they did last year. I mean, I get it. It's the Browns, but like, I mean, this is a this is a situation where I think both these teams, these past games, could go off. They're trading points back and forth, and. I just I so I'm telling you. So wait, you're saying just because he's Josh McCown, it doesn't matter for fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> but it does matter for fantasy. <laughs> oh my god, that's uh, such an embarrassing drop. <laughs> I love it. It's such a great drop. I absolutely love it. All right, Indianapolis taking on uh, Denver. I, I I we talked about this a little bit. Uh, I know a oh, lot wait, of folks. Wait, wait, wait. Go real, real bit, real quick. Yeah, Again, uh, I think we talked about it a little bit in waiver wire pickups, but. Okay. Along with Flacco, Pitta, I think, is a great streaming tight end. There's so many question marks across the position. He played the most snaps, saw the most targets okay. of all those tight ends there. They still I don't know if they're going to throw nine to Steve Smith again or whatever, but if this turns into a, a back-and-forth game, we know Flacco has relied on Pitta in the past. So I think yeah. he's, a good, he's a good streaming option this week. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to be starting him in a few spots, definitely playing him in DFS, recommending him as a play there. And, you know, quite frankly, like – I just don't want to touch any of this wide receiver business. I know everybody's like, hey, Mike Wallace could be a sneaky play just because he caught a touchdown, but he was as much admired in that committee as everybody else. Like, just because somebody scored a touchdown one week doesn't mean he's more important than the other you, guys. You there. and Franchise have a, a beverage wager on this, do you we not? We do have a beer bet. I said that he is going to record less than 50 yards uh, on Sunday, and Franchise says he will score over. Yeah, you could you could potentially lose that wager with one throw. Well, that's how he's going to Don't care. <laughs> no, but, I mean, no, that, no, no, no. That's the not only way he's going to lose yeah, it. Yeah, it's not happening. I mean, that's, that's how Oh, no, it's not going to be. Mike Wallace is not going to give you, you know, 12 for 73. Like, right, that's what happen. I'm saying. You know? <laughs> he's either going. It'll be like a two for 80 sort of deal. Right. I mean, he, I realize it's a little bit of a risk, but my point in just in all this is it's just crazy. Like, 
everybody's all hyped up on Mike Wallace because he caught one long pass. Like this right. is what Mike what Wallace does. does. He's either going to go the number one receiver now. I'm looking at you, Gelhar. Stop looking at me. He's I wasn't saying go, anything. He's either going to go staring one for at me. 15. It's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> I was just zoning out for a second. God, sorry I wasn't stalking an ex-girlfriend on Facebook. <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh my God! That was so annoying. Whoa! I quit. The podcast has come to a stop. <laughs> Holy cow! Uh, Anyways, next oh, matchup. Wow, Colts Broncos. I, I don't. I, how do I even? How do I even transition? I don't know. We talked about this matchup a fair yeah. amount. So yeah, we did. All right. Why don't we, just... we said CJ Anderson's going huge. Yeah, we know. Still yeah, trust yeah, the passing yeah, attack. Right. Virgil Green. Okay, so I'm finally oh, buying into your Virgil Green. I think Virgil right. Green. I like him. Go, as a sleeper around, this week. Tight end position. You see the last week the Colts. They couldn't slow down Eric Ebron, so I think Virgil Green potentially could blow up. Uh, should we could just real quick, are there any other guys we wanted to talk about? I know there's one player I wanted to mention I forgot Please. to in the matchup. Okay. Uh, if anybody else takes to fire off. I think Willie Sneed still. Don't be afraid of like a one-hit wonder last week if you got him. The Giants gave up a ton of work out of the slot to Cole Beasley, Terrence Williams, and uh, Jason Witten last week. Okay. Two yards to be exact. Way to steal my take here. Hey, I was the one that asked you for that one. You were on your off day for where to find it next to oh, oh. So I'm basically your researcher. Oh, my oh, cool. God. Anyways, Hell of a demotion. Somebody, somebody's upset that I <laughs> roasted him. So much. <laughs> roasted. So Anyways, much salt at Casa Gelhart. <laughs> I think, I think Sneed is, is a very safe play again this week. Anyone uh, else? I would say um, I don't know if we got to Delaney Walker. We talked about Tennessee and Detroit. But I don't think we did. I think yeah, the for some odd reason the Titans thought it'd be a good idea to split up twelve targets between Andre Johnson and Harry Douglas, while like, Delaney Walker had, I think five targets. And I think Mike Malarkey realized the error of his ways, and okay. they're going to try to get Delaney Walker more involved. And again, Detroit. Um, they got lit up by some dude named Jack Doyle. So Rainbow that, Six, baby. You know, so let's let's, so I I feel like Delaney Walker is probably a better player than Jack Doyle. So I feel confident. There. Maybe watch Rainbow Harm. Six get another Harmon. Anybody else Denver. for you? Um, uh, Here, I'll throw another one out while you think. No, I got. No, it. he's got on. It. He's on tilt, bro. I'm I'm, I'm crabs meeting, but I got one. <laughs> Uh, Torrey Smith wouldn't surprise me if he had a nice bounce back effort here. I love the fact that you love Torrey Smith but hate Mike Wallace. They're the same player. I'm not gonna get into this. Discussion <laughs> with you right now. I'm not. I'm not being faded into, into more nonsense by you jerks here. Okay. All right. Uh, Torrey Smith played 91% of his snaps in Week One at right wide receiver, which was way more than anybody else aligned anywhere else. And so that's an interesting thing to watch. If he's gonna continue to play there, if he plays there a lot, he's gonna see a lot of. Panthers rookie corner James Bradbury, who didn't exactly like get lit up in week one or anything, but Benet Benwickery was by far the Panthers' best corner. He allowed just 12.5% uh, passes against him to be uh, complete. Or no, he was he registered a target rate of just 12.5%, which means the Broncos quarterback really avoided him. And I think he's going to slide into the slot a lot and guard Jeremy Curley. So I think this could be Torrey Smith's week, especially again if the 49ers are trailing and they have to they have to throw a lot more. I might be just trying to die on the Torrey Smith Hill here for one last ride, but I am interested to see if he bounces back here. All right, this has been a monster pod. Let's do daily daps and get out, please. All right, Daily Dap time. Alex Gellhart, we'll start with you. Uh, the one I'm going to dap is this. Uh, it's a YouTube channel uh, with guys that do really smart, really interesting stuff on, on movies and cinema. It's called Every Frame a Painting on YouTube. You can subscribe to their channel. Okay. I had watched one of theirs in the past, and I loved it. It was an in-depth breakdown. It was like nine minutes about why Jackie Chan is like the master of action movies and fight scenes and why American movies by and large suck at them. 
and it was a really smart breakdown about how it's edited and how it's shot and everything in American movies is so chaotic, but Jackie Chan is very deliberate in setting up his action and things like that, even punch by punch. It's it's fan, it's phenomenal. If you like any Jackie Chan movies, go watch it because you'll start it and you won't be able to stop for 10 minutes. And I watched one this morning too called the uh, the Marvel Symphonic Universe, which was they, they prefaced the video by asking people, oh, can you hum me some of the Star Wars uh, score? Or how about Harry Potter or this? What about a score from any one of the Marvel movies? Everybody came up blank. And it was because the Marvel movies have used very understated scores that just kind of in elaborate what's on the screen. Like if somebody's scared, there's scary music. There's that stuff. They're, the scores aren't dynamic and don't stand up by themselves. And they right. use that as an argument to describe how, by and large, blockbusters are all falling into this trap. And that's because mm. a lot of them use temp music, whereas when they're editing initially, they'll just use music that sounds like what they want. But then that doesn't allow the composers to be free to, to do anything else because a lot of times they're just like, oh, we'll just make it basically like that. And actually, a great story about how Warner Brothers got in trouble for that because the 300 soundtrack was almost exactly the same soundtrack from the movie Titus with Anthony Hopkins. But anyways, every frame of painting, if you're interested in movies and stuff like that and want to get smarter about them, go check it out. They've got some really, really amazing stuff. All right, there you go. Uh, Matt Harmon, what you got for me, pal? Yeah, last week Daily dapped uh, our, our, our pal Sully from Twitter uh, doing a podcast uh, called the I Hate Sully podcast. Definitely make sure to check that out if you missed that last Daily Dap. I'm going to dap uh, Uncle Chaps here who also launched, Uncle a Chappies. Podca- launched a podcast recently. I listened to the first episode. It's called Zero Blog 30, <laughs> which is a pretty clever name. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's a good show. It's it, not – uh, football related. It's not sports related at all from the first listen at least. Uh, Chaps talked about some of his thoughts on social issues of the day and uh, you know. Is it just Chaps or does he have a co-host? He had a guest on the first episode that I listened to but it was good. Uh, apparently he jumped up the iTunes rankings right away on his first uh, his first shot but Beautiful. it's through his new uh, it's through his new employer so that, that helps too as well. So I, I'm just really happy for Chaps that he's got a good gig. You know he actually came on my podcast and right before he announced that and was really excited about it so i'm happy that it's going so well for him so daps chaps all right mg my guy marcus grant uh i'm gonna actually dap uh twitter because i don't know if anybody had a chance to check out the game the thursday night game streaming on twitter last night how cool um, was that it was very cool now i i didn't watch the whole thing i I mean i was at home so i watched it on a television but i did tune in just because i was curious about it i wanted to see what it was going to look like and the at least the portion that i watched the near the beginning of the game Streaming was clear, was clean, the sound was great. It was it was just like watching it pretty much on television. So uh, very curious to see how it is received. It seemed like the reception was very great from uh, the, the general public and looking forward to seeing how it goes all throughout the year. But certainly uh, daps to Twitter, daps to our employers here at the NFL for putting this thing together because at least last night it, it was solid. Uh, I've got multiple daps. I'm going to try to get through them very quickly. How about John Dornbos on America's Got Talent? Did he win? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I know who's a finalist, and I, I don't want to. Uh, you know, if he did or if he didn't, uh, spoiler alert, I don't know. Uh, but John <laughs> Do- Dornbos, uh, a magician, also a Vikings long snapper? Yes. I think is what is. I thought he played for the Eagles. The Eagles long snapper. I don't know, Correct. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, whatever. He's a long snapper. Uh, John Dornbos uh, does awesome magic tricks. If you haven't seen him, I'm a sucker for magic. Whatever. Just go look for John Dornbos. America's Got Talent. Now, I wanted to be a magician when I was a kid. Who didn't? First of all, I thought David. Ooh. I thought yeah, David okay. Copperfield was dope. Dude, boring. John Dornbos is. Uh, You're is boring. Really cool. <laughs> Uh, go check out Dorkly on YouTube. I've dapped them many times before, but that's okay. Dorkly on YouTube. Uh, if you're a video game dork or a comic book dork, uh, you will love their YouTube channel. Dorkly on YouTube. Uh, I can't wait for The Magnificent Seven to come out. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Um, I think it's gotten kind of so-so reviews, but I will say this. I'm such a sucker uh, for these types of movies, and little-known fact about me is that, man, um, uh, who's starring in this movie now? It's Denzel, Chris Pratt, Ethan Hawke. They've got a fantastic cast in it. Uh, Denzel Washington, I don't know why I love Denzel Washington, but I have seen every Denzel Washington movie uh, since like 1995. Doesn't everybody love Denzel Washington? Oh, so Washington? have you gone back to see Virtuosity? Uh, I think that's the one. Is that is that pre 1995? I believe it is. Okay. It is Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. It was terrible. Okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. So wait, let's let's just real quick. Yes. Kicks and giggles. Yep. So the Pelican Brief. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philadelphia. Yep. Crimson Tide. Yep. All right. Virtuosity was in 95. Oh. Devil right. in a, Devil in a Blue Dress. No. Courage Under Fire? Yes. Preacher's Wife? Yes. I like that movie. Uh, Fallen? Yes. You Got Game? Yes. All right, I'm sure you're good from then on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What I will say about The Magnificent Seven, though, too, is I'm excited for it. I I don't care if it's going to be like – it's probably not going to touch the original or anything, but I think it's going to be fun as hell because Antoine – Antoine, yeah. There's actually two Uh, originals, actually, because because there's the West original. Samurai. I was really going to be upset for Harmon Harmon for saying that, then I remembered who it was saying. Yeah. Right. But uh, Antoine Fuqua is the director. And even if his movies aren't amazing, I mean, he's done a lot of good ones, like training yeah. and stuff. He just directs badass movies. Like go. Shooter with Mike, Mark Wahlberg, I thought was going to be the dumbest movie ever. I know, me too. Love that, that was <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, what? Name, <laughs> what? You have not seen Shooter. Its name is yes, Shooter. Oh, my God. I, but it was I've awesome. seen it. I've seen, actually, it's one of those ones that I've weirdly <clears throat> seen, like, Ten times. I love it. Uh, final daily dap, by the way. Uh, and I wish uh, f- you got uh, more. Yeah, I know. Last one. <laughs> I, I, I thought Fran- I, uh, it's too bad Francis is not here. But y- I came to this realization yesterday. Um, NFL.com/slash/fantasy. Uh, the content on the page now is unreal. Like I, I know, I, I know, I sound like a homer saying this, but uh, can I be honest with you? So, like four or five years ago. Uh, NFL.com slash fantasy was not really a place that I would go to get a lot of fantasy advice. Um, Same. If you're, you know, if you're kind of a beginning player, like, uh, you know, start them and sit them or whatever is great for you. That's good. But if you're more experienced or more seasoned type dude, that's not really an article that you're really going to, right? So, like, uh, and that was the featured column. But now, with all the great writers that NFL.com slash fantasy has added, uh, Harmon's done some great stuff. Franchise has done some great stuff. MG, Alex Gelhar, all of you guys have really put together such a great and unique uh, content stream there on NFL.com slash fantasy. And I came to that realization yesterday because I realized that it is now become, and I know this is going to sound so homerish, it's really become my one-stop shop for fantasy info, and I don't feel bad about saying that because the thing about what you guys have done too is you also cite other great writers in the fantasy community. So if you start on NFL.com slash fantasy, you can get out to all these other places. And like I said, I came to this realization yesterday and I thought about what I thought about the site five years ago versus what I think about the site today. And it is really cool, and and kudos to you guys. You guys are doing some really, really great stuff. So be sure to find all their stuff, NFL.com slash fantasy. Uh, That was was really nice of you to say, James, but uh, we're we're still not buying your lunch. (laughs) 
And you know, to to your yeah. credit, you do more than just bring in like the orange slices. <laughs> <laughs> You're helping out too, pal. Appreciate it. Oh, right. Listen, pal. I, I yeah, come some, in. Some I do good some good columns. Stuff. Panic Room, the Josh Norman one last year. News and notes now. You're, uh, you're a part of this, James. Uh, okay. Too. All right. I, uh, I do some new stuff. That's all right. Let's all it. let's all break up this podcast and just a hug and cry. Yeah, well, let's just, let's let's let's, like, let's get like out of here and pat like ourselves the on the back. Podcast happened right here. Yes, the feelings podcast. All right. Great episode. Super long one for you. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Subscribe today on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We will see you later. Oh, by the way, just for you guys, uh, this has been cut now as well. Doesn't matter for fantasy. Wow. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, I keep saying it, but I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what came over me in that moment. I don't like some otherworldly oh, force. Man. I became a different person. Your voice was just so perfect for that. Like every time you've tried to recreate it, I, since, I've it never hasn't gotten I, there. Doesn't matter for fantasy. Wow. I can't do it again. So great. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com.